0: This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. To know you and to love you, to live in your presence, Lord. And to know you and to love you, to live like there's so much more. Good morning. You guys, doing well? Kobe warmed you up a little bit for me. Do I need a, any ice breakers or anything? Everybody okay? If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We're going to get you a Bible so you can follow along with well, us. In Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, finishing our study through the book of Ecclesiastes today. Finishing our bo- our study through the book of Ecclesiastes today. Thank you. All right. Woo! Yeah, tough crowd. There'll be a bone here. <laughs> that was for you, Tommy. All righty. So, um, did you guys, you guys were praying for your Thanksgiving meal, your Thanksgiving time with friends and family? Remember, I exhorted you to be seeking God about those conversations that you're going to have around the dinner table, which are unique to, uh, from the rest of the year. It's a unique time where you get together with people maybe you don't typically get together with, and, and um, you know, your family. And um, did you, were you guys praying for that? How many people were praying for that time? One person? Cool. All right. That's great. Two, three. You guys raise your hand in first service so you don't count. All right. Well, then I guess my next question is void. Did anybody see any difference in their dinner from praying and seeking the Lord? No? Same every year, huh? You guys just like the no response better than... Gavin said yes. All right. Well, guess what? You didn't pray for your Thanksgiving meal and the time that you got to sow seeds in those people's hearts, so it wasn't as good as it could have been. You missed out. But I want to encourage you that you can start doing that now for the time that you're going to see people for Christmas, just a month away. You're going to have opportunity to have conversations that are edifying and glorifying to God, and you have opportunity to plant seeds. Maybe you're not going to smash them in the face, even though you'd like to, um, but you might have opportunity to have conversations to plant seeds. I want to encourage you to be seeking God, to be preparing for that right now, not when you're walking up to the door saying, I, I'm, oh God help me, God help me, when I have these conversations with these people. Because that's how it can be sometimes. Start praying now and get ready for it. Because you know what? The Lord hears you and he wants to prepare those opportunities for you to share his love and his grace and his mercy and his word. Okay? So this year we did something different. I'll share with you guys. We went up to Utah. Uh, a friend of mine has a cabin he let us use, and we had Thanksgiving at the cabin, and some of my family came, and and I've been praying for the time that we get to hang out together. It was really sweet. It was really good. But my sister, I hope she's not watching, but my sister on the on the fourth day, um, she we're talking, and she stops, and she's like, oh my gosh, nobody has fought the whole time. This is so nice. And I'm like, yeah, you know. I've been praying for you. I'm praying for you. So God is good. See, you guys are getting there. Just had to warm you up a little bit. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the title of today's message is Come What May. Come What May? You know how life is. What's the biggest disappointment about life? Is it life? is not necessarily what you expected it to be. And we're going to look at three different sections here in this chapter, and I'll talk to you about that when we come to the Word. But how many of you would agree that sometimes life can be disappointing? It's It's all a matter of perspective, but even when you have the right perspective, it can be difficult sometimes. But come what may, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but having the right perspective can mean a lot for you. Which brings us to our word. As we've studied through the book of Ecclesiastes, which with each study we have a word that's a focal point for us. Hopefully as application for you to take away, I made it really simple, it's just one word. And we're going to go through the list in our conclusion. Does anybody remember what the word for chapter one was? Purpose, chapter two. Contentment, chapter three. Time, chapter four. Companionship, chapter five. Rest, chapter six. Reputation, chapter seven. Wisdom, chapter eight. Citizenship, chapter nine. Contrast chapter 10 through 11. Character chapter 12. Today's word for you to take away is remember. Remember. Remember is one of the most consistent exhortations of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. God's always reminding us to remember the things that happened before. And sometimes they could be good things and sometimes they could be bad things. But for the majority part, the Bible always looks at the positive perspective of remembrance. You guys would agree? He's like, remember when I delivered you from the household of bondage. I brought you out of Egypt. Remember when I parted the Red Seas. Remember when I did those miracles in your life. Remember when I led you through the desert. Remember when I fed you with manna from heaven. Remember that you are seated in the heavenlies and that you've received every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Remember. And sometimes we forget and we have to be remembered. But other times, we need to be reminded or remember, not because we have forgotten, but because we have stopped applying that thing. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I know what to do. I know what the right thing is. I just don't want to do it. And what's the response? Remember what happened before. Remember where you came from. Remember what's going on. Another word that we can look at and consider along with remember that we're going to get to when we get to the third section is consider. Remember, consider, meditate on, ponder, think about. Don't just check out because life gets super fast and furious. Remember, consider. So I've broken this chapter up. We're going to look at it in three different sections here. Solomon concluding the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Section one, we're going to look at youth and life. If you're a note taker, we have this for your benefit. There's note cards in the seat backs in front of you on the backside of the calendar. Youth and life, the progression of life from the beginning to the end. The second section is unforeseen circumstances. Boo. Nobody nobody likes the unexpected. The third section is fear God above all. And this is the one that I like to apply more of a consideration to. Consider God in the things that you're going through in life. Bless you. Bless you. Lots of sneezers. So, what are some notable memories of your life? What are the things that, when I ask you that question, what are the things that come back the the, the most quickly? The good times, the bad times. As much as the Bible wants us to focus on the promises of God and the goodness of God, the, the the things that we should remember of the past, but the things that we should consider today Solomon's approach here in the end of the, in the, end of the book, is, is, is more a little bit more from the negative side, because we've seen throughout the study that his perspective has been everything that is what. Under the sun. He keeps saying this phrase over and over again. Under the sun, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities. Everything that happens under the sun is vanity. What is he talking about? He's talking about this temporal, all that the world has to offer is baloney. And if you do not have an eternal perspective, if you do not have a restored relationship, right relationship with God, with an eternal perspective, nothing in this life will satisfy did you hear what I said? Nothing in this life will bring fulfillment. Nothing in this life will give you what you so long for. I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said, if, if you find that nothing in this world satisfies, maybe you were created for another world. And that's God's perspective. God says, I created you for more than what you just see right now or what you're experiencing right now. Beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, before we do start, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. And we thank you that that we are able, like our brother Kobe said, to gather here together in your name. That we don't have to, that we want to. We want to hear your word. We want it to be on cultivated, healthy soil, that it could be sown they it could start to grow, germinate, take root, and that it would produce fruit for your glory. 20, 40, 60, 100-fold, God, we pray your, your word would produce that fruit in us, that we would abide in you. Thank you, Father, for that time of worship that we can offer you the fruit of our lips. And we're not just singing songs, God. We're not just saying words. We're not just saying lyrics. We're offering you the praise of our lips. For you alone are worthy to be praised. We thank you, God, again for this this time in your word. We don't want it to just be a time that we read the Bible. We want it to be a time where there's sowing happening and that we're doing it as a form of worship as well. We're giving you our attention, we're devoting ourselves to the study of your word and to who you are. We thank you, God, for the provision that you've brought in our lives, for the the Thanksgiving meal, Thanksgiving hearts, jobs, houses, cars, pension funds, whatever, Lord. We thank you for it, and we worship you in the giving of our tithes and offerings. We pray that it would be, that would be the heart that it was done in, that it would be done as worship to you with no other motivation. Bless your word today, we pray. It is blessed. And give us fellowship with yourself, but also sweet fellowship with each other afterward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 12, verse 1. What's the first word? (laughs) You guys get it, huh? Remember. This was an easy Bible study. I'm like, I wonder what the word should be. Ah, chapter 12. Remember. That's a good one. It's throughout, though. Like I said, remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. Difficult days? How many of you as a youth thought that life was just going to be smooth sailing? I'm going to grow up. I'm going to have an awesome job. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have 50 kids. We're all going to, 50? No. It's going to be incredible. My life is going to be amazing. And then the bumps start happening. And things start happening in life that are unexpected. What would Solomon's advice be to those people who are experiencing this difficulty? Remember God. And what does he say? He doesn't just say, Remember God. He says, Remember God, your creator. The word creator there puts things in perspective. In my Bible, I have it circled. Remember your God. Remember God, your creator. He is the one that put everything together, He's the one that was there at the beginning. He's the one that's standing at the end. He's the one that's with you right now in this process. And it should bring us some kind of perspective. This isn't an absent God who happens to show up on an inhabited planet. This is creator God. I got a text from somebody last week. I was trying to finish up a bunch of stuff before we went out of town, and I was rushing, and I was way behind, and I was supposed to get back to somebody. I didn't. I looked at my phone. I had like 50 text messages. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord. And I texted this one person back who needed to, you know, I needed to get back to him. And I said, I just, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm underwater. Please have some grace. I'm, I'm going to take care of it as soon as I can. Have you ever felt like that before? Life is just consuming you and you feel like you're drowning. And there's so much going on. It's good in those times to remember remember God, your creator. You know why? Because there's a Psalm that I love when I start to feel like that, that I always meditate and go back to. There's a Psalm I love. It says that God is enthroned over the flood. He's enthroned over the flood. Whatever's happening, he's greater than, he's bigger than, and it speaks to, I believe, the flood that he had to bring to wipe out the whole earth. What's more powerful than water? You guys know how powerful water is? Look at the Grand Canyon. You'd be in awe standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon looking over it. I have some friends that live in Japan. And they went to go see some other friends of ours in a different part of Japan. They visited a coastal town where the tsunami hit. And they posted this picture standing at the bottom of this really tall pole. I don't know how tall it was. But there was a red stripe or something almost at the top of the pole. And they're standing down there. And the one, she's really short. I love her. But it makes the pole look bigger. And she's pointing up at the pole and at the stripe. And she said, this was the water level when the tsunami hit this town, when the earthquake happened the tsunami came. And you guys probably saw a video or pictures of the absolute devastation that took place because of that water. Remember your creator. I love that in the difficult times, the New Testament illustrates for us in the difficult times, the disciples being on the Sea of Galilee. And how everything's fine one minute, and the next thing, they're waking up Jesus because they're going to die. Or Jesus starts walking up on the water, and he just calms everything. You like that? I like it. Especially because a few weeks ago, a month or so or whatever, I was on a boat on the Sea of Galilee with our Israel trip from church. And we were, we got there on the bus. We went down to the bus. We got on and it was a gorgeous day. There were some clouds, but it was gorgeous. And then as soon as we start pulling out, it was like, whoosh, this storm came down. And our tour guide said, this is what happens on the Sea of Galilee, how it can change in just an instant. Because that valley right there in between the mountains, that's where the air comes from. And if a system comes up, it comes right through that hole. And it's just like, boom, punches into the Sea of Galilee. Next thing you know, it's wavy. And I'm like, Jesus. Jesus was here walking on this water. And I don't want to ask him to calm the storm right now because it's pretty cool like the, everything coming together for me. But life doesn't go the way that that we want it to go sometimes. Life doesn't go the way we expect it to go sometimes. And in those times our first consideration needs to be remembering God our creator. Remembering that he sits enthroned over the flood. Consider that he knows what's going on with us. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. You're prepared for the coming of the difficult days. And the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. This person's in a place or he's describing a place of Somebody not being happy to be alive anymore. Life is that difficult. I have no pleasure in them while the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. And the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men bow down. When the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, When one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails, for man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. This is a poetic Hebrew rendition of your entire life or somebody's life. You start with the sun and the light, um, the, the, the clouds. These are all things that literally can happen. But it's also a way that some commentators believe in poetic expression. They're describing the life cycle, the events of your life. So here we have listed out for you again if you're a note taker you can jot these down or just follow along each one in in what could be the point that he's trying to make number 1 while the sun and the light uh, the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds not return after the rain and the day that the keepers of the house tremble the arms uh, the keepers of the house tremble. The arms and the hands that the body now begin to tremble. When you get older, um, your 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 arms or your hands start to shake a little bit. The strong men bow down. The legs and the knees begin to sag. Do not have the strength that they had before. The grinders cease because they are few. Teeth are lost and chewing is more difficult. The grinders are lost. The windows grow dim. The eyes have become dim, losing sight. The, the sound of grinding is low. The, the noise that you would hear clearly before, the ears become weaker and weaker. One rises up at the sound of a bird. Sleep becomes more difficult, and one is easily awakened. The daughters of music are brought low. Singing and music are less appreciated. Afraid of height and terrors in the way, one becomes fearful in life, fearful to go outside, fearful to climb up. There's this really silly commercial. There's an ad. I don't know what it is, but I have heard it a couple times in different places where it's a dialogue between a husband and a wife. And, and he's like, I'm going to clean the gutters. And, and his wife's like, no, honey, let's just hire somebody to do it. Have you guys heard that? And then, it's, and then he's like, no, it's just a few leaves. oh, And he falls down. You go up in high places, you fall down sometimes, hopefully not. But the older you get, the more careful you have to be. That's why a lot of times, you know, maybe last Friday we should stay home because apparently to go shopping can risk your life. You're afraid of what's in the way, what can be. The almond tree blossoms, the hair becomes white. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper's a burden, the once active become weak. And then the passion and desire, desire fails, the passion and desires of life weaken or wane. This word isn't found anywhere else in the Old Testament for desire. And um, it's a point of Hebrew expression, the, cran, the, the caper berry fa- uh, fails. The berry was highly regarded as a as stimulus to the appetite and an aphrodisiac. You get the picture. Desire fails. You're not who you were before. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. If you want to throw a circle around eternal home, also interesting to take note of that this is the only time in the Old Testament that it speaks of life after death being eternity. Coming from a man who was so worried about everything that was happening under the sun. Eternity. You can look. There's always uh, uh, an allusion to or maybe uh, a generality of, but this speaks of eternity after death, which we also saw somewhat in in the eternity being in our hearts in, in a previous chapter. And that's it. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. The first remember... Going through life, consider God your creator. Now we look at the second section, starting in verse 6. Unforeseen circumstances. Things happen. This is also in poetic language, but it also has uh, direct application, I believe. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed. Before the silver cord is loosed. Some things could be going really well. You can have a great job. Financially stable. Everything's wonderful. Everything can change in a minute. I had a friend who had a very good job making very good money, had multiple houses in, multiple, in different states. And then all of a sudden, in a day, he lost that job. And he's trying to figure out how to make everything work. Uh, the, the, cord, the, the silver cord was loosed. He's okay, if you're wondering. The Lord took care of him. He trusts God, and God took care of him and his family but you don't know what's going to happen. Remember your creator before that happens. That's when you'll be ready and prepared. Considering God before the the job ends or before the, the, the cash is cut off or the golden bowl is broken. Remember God before the golden bowl is broken. Why is it That the whole house, the the place where the most precious valuables are, that china cabinet, is the one thing that the kids all want to climb up on. It's like, you guys got this whole house, and you want to play football in front of the china cabinet. It's like every time I walk outside, my kids are playing outside every time. They've got the whole street. I don't yell at them for that period of time, short period. I'm letting them play. They're having a blast. They got the whole street, the whole neighborhood to themselves, and they want to play football or baseball right in front of my wife's truck. And I'm saying, what are you guys doing? Hey, let's play catch. Oops, we don't know what happened. I know what happened. You're not using your brain." And now the gold cup is broken, and I'm not happy about it. My wife has had, throughout our time together, favorite coffee mugs. Um, So as time goes by, things will happen to these coffee mugs. For instance, they can't reach another cup except that one my children so they take her favorite coffee cup the one that she loves adores and cherishes and they just you know are walking with it and and they break it like oh man but you know i get her another mug and then it's her favorite again and everything's fine but but she never reacts i i can be reactionary a little bit don't tell anybody But she never reacts. She always responds in love and in grace. Like, why did you do that? That was my favorite cup. Sorry, mommy. It's okay. Give me a hug. Daddy will get me another favorite cup. Isn't that nice? Why? Because her heart's prepared for the golden bowl to be broken. I believe. And bad things in life are going to happen. The things that you treasure, the things that you value may come to an end. Let's look at the next one. The pitcher is shattered at the fountain. There's things that you depend on on a daily basis to help you get through life. It has value to you. You like it. And you use it regularly like that coffee cup. And you take it and you get the living java bean water. No, you get water with it. It's an instrument that you use regularly. There's going to come one day when something that you depend on, something that you love is going to be broken in a million pieces and you're not going to be able to put it back together anymore. But consider God. Remember God before we start putting our hopes and expectations in things that make life more comfortable. Or the wheel broken at the well. What happens when the wheel's broken at the well? You can't get the water out. And sometimes stuff happens and, and you get frustrated because you can't do the thing that you, that you need to do, that you need to do. You need water, you want to do. You, you do it every day. You, you don't need food, but you need water. But consider God and remember God before the wheel's broken so that you can have the right perspective when it does. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it so the poetic side, the Hebrew poetic side would be speaking more of another um, coming to the end of your life. That the silver cord is loosed, the golden bowl is broken, the pitcher shattered at the fountain, the wheels broken at the well, everything's settling down and coming to the end. And the dust will return to the earth as it was. And the spirit will return to God who gave it another eternal perspective principle. I uh, I had the honor and blessing of doing a memorial service this week on Monday evening here at the church for a brother. And um, this is what I opened up with at the memorial service. Um, I'm standing up here and I'm looking out at all these friends and family of this person that that went to go be with the Lord. And I kid you not, everybody's smiling. And I'm just like, you know, <laughs> this this is... So sweet that we can all be here together to remember a brother, consider, and have a celebration of life, knowing that he has gone on to be with the Lord. And I don't think anybody else, you can't be in a in a room of people with people that are happy or excited about somebody dying. But as Christians, no, no don't get me wrong, there is definitely a time to mourn and the Bible prescribes mourning and that's okay, but there's also a time to move on because if we truly believe what happened is that person gets to go be with the Lord absent from the body, present with the Lord, then it should make us happy. Yes, they are happier there with him than they were here with you. I'm sorry. No matter who you are, it's better there. It's good. And life will progress, life will go on, and and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. The teacher, Solomon, ends the book of Ecclesiastes here in chapter 12, the same way that he started it. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Again, referencing that apart from that eternal perspective, you can't get no satisfaction. Verse 9. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. I like this verse. That's why I highlighted it for you. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. People would be asking, why are we... Considering these things, teacher, why are you saying these things, preacher? These are not pleasant things. These are not happy things. These are difficult things that I don't want to process right now. I want to act like everything's okay. But even as a wise man, he understood and considered that it was good that he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words. And what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. He's putting these things together for you in wisdom and in Proverbs. And the wise words are like goads. You guys know what a goad is? Think of like a cattle prod, a pointy, sharp thing to help you go in the right direction. What's the famous goad story of the New Testament? Apostle Paul. Jesus is appearing to Paul, and, and he says, Saul, what are you doing? He's like, who are you? I'm Jesus. Why are you kicking against the goads? Jesus is poking him, trying to get his attention. Jesus is pursuing Paul, the apostle? Yes. And the words of the wise, particularly the words of God's word, the Bible, even though they can hurt sometime they're meant for our benefit. And they're good. They're so good. Ouch, that hurt. I needed to hear it. I have a sister in the fellowship I'm not going to bring up. But very often she comes up to me after the sermon and she says, that was a terrible sermon. It was exactly what I needed to hear. And you know who you are. Thank you for saying that because it means you're feeling the, the goad. And it's necessary for us to, to have a little discomfort in the thing that we hear so that we can address and, and reevaluate and, and start going back in the right direction again. I've never had a person come to me for counseling, sit in my office, and I said, here's the deal. This is what you're doing. This is what you have to stop doing. This is what you need to start to do. And then say, oh, yes, that's great. That's exactly what I wanted to do. That's exactly what I was looking forward to. I wanted you to come and correct me and tell me what I was doing wrong so I could stop doing these bad things. I just didn't know what they were. Well, most of the times you know what they are. And they're like, I know, stinking pastor, tell me what to do. Oh, no, I'm not telling you what to do. The words of the wise is like a go. This is God's word giving you instruction. If you want your life to be better, to be changed, and apply it. The words of the scholars are like well-driven nails. Hashtag nailed it? I think so. Did you know that? Have you ever heard of nailed it before? It's biblical. Everything goes back to the Bible. The words of the wise are like those. The words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. The idea here is you have a plank or a board you have a well-driven nail right at the end, boom, and the shepherd carries it around. Whenever the sheep starts going astray or getting off track, taps him with the nail with the stick. How do you think that feels? I used to joke and say, for God to get my attention, he's got to smack me over the head with a board sometimes. Thank God it doesn't have a nail in it. That would be terrible, just a board. He needs to get my attention. Tim, what are you doing? Hey, get back on track. Hey, be wise. Listen to my word. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Be admonished. It's it's for your benefit. It's for your good. Be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is wearisome to the flesh. You know, I have a friend who is very successful in the business world. I've told you about him before. Travels all over the world. Um, My age, millionaire my age. We we're really close. We still are close. He, you know, we have lunch if he flies into Vegas or something. And, and we were talking one day and he was like, you know, I, I read, I forget what it is, like two or three books a week or something like that. He's like, I read because, you know, knowledge and information and, and it helps me. And, you know, and, 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 I don't know if you've heard this before, but the most successful people in the world read a ton it's it's for perspective, information. Information is powerful, and and uh, I thought to myself when we were talking, I thought, man, there's a lot of books out there, huh? And I have another friend who who wrote a book, and I'm like, nobody's even going to read your book. Do you know how many books there are out there? There's a lot of books. There's no end. Much study is wearisome to the flesh. If you're looking for some kind of satisfaction in that life, it's going to be elusive. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. I love it. He's like, this is it, guys, right? The whole book of Ecclesiastes, this is it, guys. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Number three, our third section, fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all fear god when is the last time that you considered god in an action that you were presently taking or about to take i try to do it as regularly as i can as i get myself into trouble you guys remember wwjd super corny don't want to remember it whatever but instead of WWJD, what about just consider that whatever you're doing, God is a part of. I don't want to be Christian cliche or corny, but but he is a part of that thing that you're about to do. Are you still going to do it? Remember God. Remember God. Consider God. And keeping his commandments, for this is man's all. Uh, I shared a couple stories in the first service. I don't want to get too off track, but, but my wife and I have been through some serious valleys, some very serious mountains and valleys in our life. We've had times where we were scraping change together on the mission field to get dinner that night. And, and, um, we would tell people these stories or we would share with other people. We wouldn't ask for money. We weren't beggars. We, we didn't ever say this is where we're at so that people would give us money. We trusted God. We considered God. We remembered God, that he was teaching us something in that. And we wanted to learn what it was. Like, God, what are you doing here? We're considering you in our present circumstance. Make this be something good. Because you promised that it's going to be. And he always did every single time. A few years ago now, we were um, pretty strapped for cash. Very little money. And my wife and I had a conversation about what we were going to do for Christmas. It was about this time. And we decided that we were not going to get presents for the kids that year. We, we couldn't afford it, and we were not going to go into debt or put it on a credit card. There was just no way. If we didn't have the money, then we weren't going to get presents, but we were going to take a trip somewhere. We were going to do something together, and it was going to be fun anyway, you know? It was going to be great. Right before Christmas, we got an envelope, an anonymous envelope that somebody gave us to the Warholic family, it had over $500 worth of gift cards in it. We're like, thank you, Lord. We went out and got our kids' presents. Not all of it, most of it I spent on me, but we spent a little bit on the kids for Christmas that year. I'll never forget our first year moving back to the States. A first year here was very difficult. Counterculture shock is worse than culture shock. When you go to a, a different country, it's like, I gotta learn how they do things here. Oh man, this is hard, is one thing. When you go back to a country that you were gone from for 10 years and you're like, I know what it's like here. Ah! Everything has changed, and nobody can identify with you, and nobody likes you, because why should they? It was hard, and we were broke, and it was another instance where we didn't have any money for Christmas presents that year. We, ju- we were living with my, p- my parents. My poor parents were putting up with, with me, our four kids, and my pregnant wife. And then we were able to move into a, a little house. We were able to make a commitment to rent this little house. Now we had commitments. We, we weren't able to buy the kids presents for Christmas that year. We had a little bit, and we're like, well, let's do this. Let's, let's get little presents. We'll get one kid a present each, right? And we're like, how pathetic are we? Us as parents, like, here, here's your presents. A pair of socks. This is so awesome. And kids are so cool because you could give them a rock, and they'd be happy. See, it's in your head. You're the problem, not the kids. Sorry. It's like a goad. <laughs> it hurts, but it's true. They don't need it. They don't need all the stuff, all the junk. So here we got them this, these little, and we had this little tree, and there's five gifts under the tree, <laughs> and we're excited. And then Christmas morning comes, and they go out, and, and, and they open the presents, and, and, and you're like, why are you talking about Christmas? Because it's coming up, and, and it's a thing that we have to address sometimes. So I'm sorry you're upset. So they go out and they get the Christmas presents. They unwrap them. They're so excited. And we're sitting there in the living room. And then we hear ding dong, ding dong. And I'm like, well, who in the world would come to our house on Christmas morning unannounced? How rude! So I get up and go to the front door. And I open the door, and I look out, and nobody's gone. They dunged and dashed me. Dinged and dashed is better. Let's not say dunged and dashed. That's a different thing. It's not good. They dinged and dashed, and and I'm looking outside, and I look down, and there's a box full of presents for our kids that was overflowing with gifts. And I, you know, my wife and I start to cry. We get the presents. We go in. Our kids don't believe us. You guys are so funny. We only got you one present. You were pulling our legs. That was good. We're like, no, kids. This is like, we don't know. We literally don't know who gave these to you. But, but God is good. And consider him. Remember him in the valleys, in the difficulties. Remember him before the, the silver cord is cut off at the high times and the mountaintops. Consider him, remember God, for this is man's all. And I would have conversations like this with people, we'd come home on furlough or whatever the case was, and they would say, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do that? And this is what I would say, there's nothing better, period. There's nothing better whatsoever in life than knowing that where you're at right now is in God's will. There's nothing better than that. And we would come back and people would say, do you miss Croatia? And I'd say, we miss Croatia. We miss our church there. We miss the people. We love it. But you know what? There's nothing better than being in God's will. And right now, God's will is in Las Vegas. There's nothing better. There's nothing that compares. So fear God, keep his commandments, for this is man's all. This is all that God created you for to be in his will, to have satisfaction, to have that peace of knowing that when you consider him, he's gonna take care of you and he's gonna take care of everything else, always. This is wisdom. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I love that this is how he ends the book, because he wants to bring a healthy dose of, of responsibility, right? But he ends the book with the good and the bad. I think most times we have, when we consider God and we consider that he's present with us in situations, we tend to do what I did and think of the bad stuff, the secret stuff. But it goes both ways. Yes, take note and be careful of the things that you do in secret because God is going to judge for those things. But he's also going to judge the good things, which is good. Like, it's happy. It's not bad. It's like, yes. Consider that. Consider that that whoever blessed us with that money a few years ago, man, I don't know, but God knows. And they were considering God, and he's blessing and taking care of them. And think of the people that dinged and dashed us. I don't know who those people were to this day. Nobody told me. Hey, I was the one that gave you those presents. Pretty sweet, huh? God sees in the secret. God knows. God's going to take care of them. Give them a little treasure in heaven. Remember. Consider. And in closing, for the book of Ecclesiastes, I don't know about you, I was very blessed with our study through the book of Ecclesiastes. In closing, I want you to think about what your takeaway for the entire book is. You've got your note card, I want you to write it down. What's the first thing that comes to mind? How would you describe it to somebody else? If somebody said, What's the book of Ecclesiastes about? What what could you say? How does it apply to you? I asked um, people in the first services question. Technically, it's a rhetorical question, but everybody started shouting out, which I thought was really cool. So you guys didn't do it, but they did. So we can give it a shot. If you've been with us through our study of the book of Ecclesiastes, what's your takeaway? Remember, good one. Eat <laughs> Turkey. What's your takeaway? Can anything come to mind? Do you remember anything from the book, the studies? Contrast. Anybody else? Things that matter. Contentment. Time. He gave you the words. What a nice guy. Purpose. Contentment. Time companionship, rest, reputation, wisdom, citizenship, contrast, character. Remember, now Now you don't have to take these words or my word for it. Whatever, whatever word stood out to you, it has to be the application that you took from that word. It has to be what, what impressed you in your life and how it still affects you and how you could still or you can share with somebody about that if it gets brought up or you bring it up. And say, hey, man, we just finished studying through the book of Ecclesiastes. That was pretty sweet. This was something that I took away from that. Amen? Amen. Yeah? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for for this time in your word that we get to spend together. And we thank you, Lord, for for your wisdom, your truth. We thank you that you um, discipline those that you love that you care for those that you love. So let us, God, take these things to heart in applying them to our lives so that our lives are changed, looks more like you, and we can be better witnesses of you while we're down here on earth, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you guys an opportunity this morning. I don't always do this, but man, I'm just humbled And I'm blessed and I'm blown away that uh, I gave an opportunity for people to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior this morning. And three people raised their hand. Incredible. And it's not about, amen, it's not about a hand raising. We know that. It's a change of heart. I love how in the book of Acts, when, when, they go, when Peter goes to Cornelius and he's, he, he goes and starts preaching the gospel to him, he didn't even give him a chance to respond. And the Holy Spirit fell on them. Isn't that awesome? Amen. It's not about our action. It's about how we respond. But it's God that does the work. But I just want to give an opportunity for a response today in two ways. In the first way... If you needed to hear that word from the Lord, that you've forgotten things that you just forgot about and you, rem- you re- were reminded today. Or, or you, you knew what was right or what was wrong and you forgot about it in the sense that you stopped doing it. And you know that you, you shouldn't be doing the things that you're doing, but you are. And you want to receive God's word And repent. If either of those apply to you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord by raising your hand. If that applies to you, stretch up your hand high in the air so that we can pray together. I can pray for you. You needed to be reminded. Anybody at all? I see your hand, brother, sister. If you want satisfaction in life and it's been elusive, if you think that you can get stuff that's going to make you happy or your confidence is in the things that you have and you've seen that it's failed you, you have no satisfaction. Life is difficult and getting more difficult. and You've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior before. I want to give you an opportunity to do that publicly today. You give your heart to God. You repent of your sins. You receive Jesus as your personal Savior, the one who was sent, bled, and died on a cross and was raised from the dead. You want to confess that that is what you believe. I want to give you an opportunity to do that and to pray with me. So if that's you this morning, raise your hand high up in the air so we can pray together. Anybody at all? Father, thank you again for our fellowship together. Bless our time. Bless this week. May your face shine brightly on your children. Send us out in power and in love to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name we pray.